This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, good morning. How are you today? Doing all right. Good to see you. So our family was away last weekend because we were finally taking our girls to see their Christmas present from 2020 to go see Justin Bieber in concert. So we're so excited. And then we got the email notification the night before that the concert was canceled because young Mr. Bieber got sick. So we got the notification just in time to not be able to change any plans. So we went anyways and made the most of it and had fun. And I was just, I was talking with someone this morning. They're like, oh, the girls must have been so disappointed. And I'm like, I was disappointed. What are you talking about? I was so bummed. Because, I mean, part of that, that gift, like, as a dad, I wanted them to have this cool experience. And it's just like, oh, because I don't know about you, but, like, I, I, I want to be a great dad. I want to be as great of a father as I can. I'm not always that good, but I try to. But it's not just fatherhood where I want to be great. I don't know about you, but like slight confession, I want to live a great life. I I want my life to count. I want my life to make a difference. I want my life to matter in this world. I I don't think I'm the only one. Anyone else want to experience a great life? Yeah, I mean, I think like there, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think God created us with this desire to to know him and reflect him in the world and and do something incredible with the life that he's given us. Yeah, I don't know, again, about you, but I find that oftentimes there's these obstacles that get in the way of me living a great life. Like, has circumstance ever gotten in the way? Like a pandemic? Has that ever, like, impacted your ability to live the life you truly wanted to live? Or, I don't know, I oftentimes find that it's people that get in the way. Like, have you ever noticed, like, not everyone is on your team? (laughs) Or not everyone seems to be about what you want to be about, and sometimes they just get in your way? Interestingly enough, I find that there's one person in particular who seems to get in the way of me living my greatest life. Do you know who that person is for you? (laughs) I find that sometimes I am my own greatest obstacle. I don't know about you. Maybe you're awesome, which is cool. Like, can I learn from you? But I know for me, there's so many times, like, I just seem to be the one person who keeps getting in the way of me living my greatest life. And it happens all the time. I remember when Christy and I were just starting our family. So our oldest, Indy, she had just been born. And we are just in that, like, like sweet, terrifying spot as new parents. Like, you're super excited for this, but you're terrified because you have no idea. Like, I, I still was dumbfounded when we drove away from the hospital. And they're like, and they're letting us keep her. Like, we don't know what we're doing and just trying to figure out all that new parenting stuff. And I just remember this one time where we're waking up in the morning and we could just hear Indy in her little crib just making the cutest sounds. And so Christy and I go to, to wake her up together. And, and I remember we're approaching the crib and like her, she's just gushing and glowing in this moment. And it's just so beautiful. And, and I remember like we get to the crib and she looks at me and she's like, do you want to get her up? And I was like, what a gift like to let me have that moment. And And so I was like, I would love to. And so like every part of me is like, this is me becoming the greatest father on the planet and so excited. And I remember I swoop in to pick her up and then I'm suddenly overwhelmed with this smell. (laughs) And like I almost gag at the smell and I'm like, how did you create that? And I created you, so it's technically mine. But like it was just so, and I just remember as I'm getting down to pick her up, I like, I like a, a pilot, like eject on the landing, and I swoop out, and I just smile, and I'm like, it's all you, babe. <laughs> and her face was just like, you're the greatest. 
And I'm like, oh, and I just kind of back out of the room, and I, I can hear her from the, the apartment as she's picking up our daughter, and just the sound, like, oh, my gosh, like, what did you do? And I'm just like, oh. And, and there was something in me in that moment that's like, Joy, you just missed something. Like, you just missed a moment to experience a greatness that you desire in your heart, but you stepped out of it. And, and oh, I just wrestle with that because I'm really good at doing that. Last week, we started a series called The Overflow, taking a look at this letter that one of the early Christian leaders, a guy named Paul, writes to the first Christians, this church that he helped get started in the first century. And, and there's some things that we saw last week, and we're going to continue to impact this for the next several weeks, but something we saw last week that actually gives me hope for when I'm that guy, not the guy I want to be, but the other guy. And that hope is that God doesn't give up on us. God is so good to us, and God's doing something in us, and our hope is he's going to finish that good thing he wants to do. And we saw this last week as, Paul, or as Ron kicked us off. Paul writes these words in Philippians 1.6. He says, and I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day Christ Jesus returns. And there's so much hope for us in those words as we realize that God's doing something in us. Because if you're anything like me and you are a piece of work, <laughs> anyone else? Yeah, just a few of us. <laughs> if you're anything like me, you know what the hope is for those of us who are a piece of work? What Paul is helping us understand is we step into this life with Jesus, we're now his work. And he's really good at doing good things in us. He's really good at awakening the best that we could hope for. That God, our hope is that God is at work in our stories and he will help us grow and he will help us experience our greatest life if we listen and walk with him the best we know how. And so we're going to continue jumping into this series. We're going to continue to see what we can discover today as we take a look at this, this, this ancient letter that Paul writes, this early Christian leader. And, and I know last week Ron helped set some of this up, but here's the amazing thing to me as I look at what Paul's doing as he's writing this letter. Paul's trying to encourage this church that he got started once upon a time. And and he's not writing it from the greatest of places. Paul's actually writing this letter from being imprisoned. Now, I would think if I'm writing the letter from prison, it's going to be like a woe is me letter. And like, come and help me, like pray and get me out of here. But Paul's entire focus is on them. And he's just so excited for them because Paul is living a great life because he's experiencing what Jesus has done in his own story. And so we're going to continue to, to chase after the things that Paul writes here. And and one of the reasons why isn't simply because Paul has some good things for us to hear. It's not simply that we want to learn from his hard-earned wisdom as a follower of Jesus. The reason we're looking at these words that Paul writes is because they're more than just his words. That these are actually God's words through Paul so we can know God's heart and God's desires and God's intentions for us. That's why we look into the scriptures. And so we're going to continue to, to speak to this and look to this as we walk through and and I would just invite you to have a posture of saying, God, what do you have for me today? What, what is it that you want me to understand? How can I learn from what you've shared through the pages of this book so I can step into a greater life as I listen to you and follow you? And so we're going to jump in and see what we can discover today. And so we're, we're stepping into this, what we call chapter two. Paul didn't really write chapters, but we do that so we can find stuff. <laughs> and so we're going to step into chapter two and see what Paul has for us here. It would help if I'm in the right book. There we go. And so Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, he says this. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? 
Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? And notice he's just starting with a bunch of questions in this section of his letter. And, and what Paul's really trying to stir up in our minds and understanding is that if we step into this life that Jesus has for us, are we benefiting from it? Like, are we experiencing the good things that he wants to do in our life and in our story? Like, I know as, as I've experienced Jesus in my own story, he's done amazing things for me and amazing things in me that, that I've discovered strength I didn't know I had. I've discovered hope I didn't know I had. I discovered the ability to, to get over myself in ways I didn't always know that I have. And, and so this is what Paul's trying to help stir and awaken. Like, are you experiencing the blessing and the benefit of belonging to Jesus? Because if so, there should be an overflow of that in our life. And so he continues and he goes, so then, so if you're experiencing this, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. And again, I, like what, I, what I sense as Paul's writing these words, it's almost like a father speaking to his kids, like trying to help shape the family values. Like parents, do you remember trying to do that with, with your kids early on? Like, like, hey, this is what our family is going to be about, so stop, like, hitting your brother or your sister. <laughs> like, I remember, like, one morning uh, we were sitting down just to eat, and, and Indy was, like, three years old at the time. And Christy started asking her a question, and Indy wasn't responding. And I'm like, is she okay? And I looked at this little three-year-old angel, and I realized she's intentionally snubbing mom. Like, she's giving mom the cold shoulder, the silent treatment. And I realized, oh, it's because earlier in the morning Christy had to, like, address some things that she was doing and now India is not happy and I was just like oh hold on time out time out and I just kind of leaned in as, as much as I could communicate to a three-year-old and just said hey listen we're not going to be like that in this family like I appreciate how you're feeling how you're feeling is real but you have power over those feelings and you can choose to still listen to mom I was just trying to shape a family value for us that we're going to do our best to listen and understand each other that's what Paul's doing here that we, we do our best to seek and follow. And, and if we're experiencing the good things that Jesus is doing in our story, then there's this overflow that Paul's talking about. This overflow of being for one another as we do life together. And yet, how do we do this? Like, how, how do we live out that overflow? Like, if we're experiencing the good things that Jesus is doing in our story, how do we be for one another as he's working in our life? Well, this is why Paul's writing the letter. He's trying to help us understand this. And so he goes on and he begins to explain, okay, here's what this looks like. Don't be selfish. And don't try to impress others. What a, what a simple concept. So hard to get right. I don't know about you. Like I got off social media about nine months ago because it just wasn't a healthy space for me. But I remember my journey in social media. Why do I post stuff? Isn't it to impress you? Please like this post, right? Like, like that's just how life is oriented. And, and as simple as what Paul's talking about here, the reason I think we struggle with this is because it's so easy for us to live life from our own self-centered perspective. And that's not how God intended it for, for, to be that way. Like God created us to, to know him and be in relationship with him, that our greatest life would be lived revolving around him as the center of everything, the source of life and truth and goodness. But when we walked away from him as a race in that beginning story in this book, that broke in us. And so now we're like untethered beings in a universe thinking we're the center of it all. And it doesn't seem to go well. <laughs> and so that's why Paul's like, hey, let's, let's reorient ourselves around Jesus again. So don't be selfish, which sounds so simple, but it's so hard to do. 
Instead, he says, be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. And again, what a beautiful idea. And I, I think like, Paul, if you said think of others as much as I think about myself, maybe I could do that. But to think of others as better than myself, that's hard. And yet here we see Paul saying the key to that is this idea of humility, like, like, like trying to live a humble life. And again, I think that, that, that can be a challenge for us at times because I think sometimes we think humility means thinking of myself as less than, right? So like, oh, I'm, I'm not a good person. Look at how what, like, like frail and feeble I am. Everyone else is better than me. That, that's, that's not actually what humility is. Humility is, is somebody who's learning to live in the goodness of what Jesus is doing in their story, right? So, I mean, if you think of what Paul started here, this idea, like, do you have any benefit? Like, you're experiencing the beauty of belonging to Jesus. When you begin to realize what Jesus has done in your story, you realize there's greatness in your life because of him. And then humility isn't thinking of yourself as less than. Humility is learning how to just think of yourself less, like not being taken with yourself because there's this beautiful story at work in you and God's doing something. And so Paul continues, he says, so don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And so the way we begin to do this is to get over ourselves as best we can and see what's going on in the lives of people around us and saying, how can I be for you? Like, how can I bring something good into your life? How, how can I look out for you? How can I be of service to you? How can I take the good that God has done in my life? This is the overflow. And let that flow into your life. And I step into the places with you and serve you. And this is what, this is what Paul is pointing us to. And it's not always easy to, to understand what that could look like. Right? Because we haven't always learned this in good ways. Or, or sometimes we've walked into these waters out of guilt and shame instead of an empowered life. And so I love what Paul's going to do. He's going to say, so I, I want to help you understand what this looks like. So I'm going to point you to someone outside of yourself, someone greater than you, so you see what it looks like. And so he begins to point us to Jesus as our example. And so Paul says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And he's pointing us to Jesus because Jesus is not only Savior, he's also our example of what our greatest life could look like as we seek to follow him into that life. Now, I don't know where you're at in your journey of exploring or discovering faith. I think there's many of us that say, like, yep, we follow Jesus, we, we believe him, as, and we're doing the best I can. I think some of you might just simply be on a discovery journey, and that's awesome. But I would say wherever you're at, I think it would be safe to say that Jesus probably lived a pretty great life, yes? Because we're talking about him 2,000 years later. So he did something. <laughs> and yet as we look at his life, I don't think we would say Jesus was great because he made much of himself. He made himself awesome. He came and, like, put a stake in the ground and said, look at me. I think what we discover about Jesus is the reason he was so great is how he lived his life for others. And so this is what Paul's going to continue to point us at here. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had, and he's going to show us this. And, and this is really neat when you understand, like, the scriptures and you do some studying on your own. Paul is most likely going to quote for us an ancient Christian poem or an ancient Christian worship song to help point us to the beauty of this. And so he goes on and he says, talking about Jesus now, he says, though he was God. I mean, just stop right there. That's some deep thinking, isn't it? Like, Jesus was so much more than just a guy who probably looked cool in the 70s if he was around in our day, <laughs> who said some neat things. I mean, he was so much more than anyone thought. That's why at Christmas we call him Emmanuel, God with us. 
So though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Like what Paul's helping us understand is, is the greatness of Jesus is seen in, in his humbleness and his willing to serve us. That's why he's the example. Like, oh, if you had all that and yet chose to do this for others, now I'm called to follow you into that same life. So the challenge to me as I look at this is like, but wait, wait, if humbleness leads to a cross, <laughs> what's the payoff? Well, here's the good news. The cross wasn't the end of the story, right? I hope you understand that. Yes, like, like Easter's coming. That's the good news. And so Jesus choosing to do this on our behalf, that path of humbleness, though it led to the cross, the cross wasn't the end. The cross was the gateway to greatness for him. Because Paul goes on and he says, therefore, I love that. Let me tell you, you want a therefore in your story. You want a therefore where you, you've said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to give you the best of my life, the best I know how. And even though it takes me to hard places, I'm trusting that there's a therefore in my story. Therefore, God elevated him, elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And see, Jesus shows us something beautiful about how we step into our greatest life. We step into that great life by, by following his example. How can I live my life to serve others, trusting that God will show up in my story and raise me up into something that I'm truly longing for? And so Jesus gave us his best to bring us into our best with him. And what we see that Paul's talking about here in this whole section and in pointing us to Jesus is that our greatest life, your greatest life, it's found in serving others. How is that so backwards in our world? That we think our greatest life is somehow pushing myself up above others, shining the light on me and saying, look how awesome I am. Look at all the accomplishments I've made. That's how our world teaches us we find greatness. But we don't, we don't really like it when someone's all about themselves, do we? Like there's something in us that's like, you're kind of arrogant. You're kind of like, like we, we wrestle with that. And, and so here's Jesus showing us a different way. Here's Paul calling us to a different way of finding greatness. And it's found in our ability to take our privilege, all the blessings that God is doing in our life, the good that Jesus is doing in us and letting that overflow into people around us by serving them. That's the path to greatness. That's how we experience our greatest life. And yet at one level, this is so simple, right? Think of others first. Look out for the benefit of others. Like I can write that down and I can grasp it looking at it. But it's not always easy to do, is it? Come on. Is it just me? Anyone else wrestle with this? Yeah, you know why it's not always easy to serve other people? Because they're not always easy <laughs> to be around. They're not always easy to like. Like people that are like, like Joel, you're the best. What do you need? Right, like. I can serve people like that. But the people that are like attacking me, belittling me, making, like that's a hard world to live in. And yet Jesus is like, I loved you. I served you. I've given you life. Let me lead you into it. And yeah, I think sometimes the, the reasons I wrestle with this is, well, there's all sorts of reasons. 
Like I said, sometimes I'm my own worst obstacle. But I, I think sometimes there's a couple of reasons that are not just unique to me. I think they're maybe common to all of us that, that we wrestle with this, that I want to just spend a couple minutes kind of poking at with you to maybe help you see where, where you're struggling with in, this, in your own story, but where there's opportunity to grow beyond ourselves with it. But here, here's one of the reasons why I think we struggle with this, what Paul's talking about here. We struggle with this because it's really easy to apply this to others and not ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Maybe. <laughs> like, I, I, like, when we do this, this is basically what we're saying. Like, Paul, I totally agree with what you're talking about here. Like, this is awesome. I really wish other people would live that way. <laughs> Especially towards me. We were really good at that, aren't we? Taking the good things that we're, we're taught, the things that we're seeing, and saying, like, man, if only other people would live like this. If only other people would do that. And the mistake we make in doing that is that we misapply it towards others instead of seeking to apply it to ourselves and seeking to be people that would strive to do this. Can you imagine if, if just as a community, we all said, I'm not going to worry about whether or not you're doing this. I'm going to choose to do it. And if you took that same response and that was how we all chose to live, do you know how beautiful that would look? But we don't always do that. Because again, we're good at grabbing hold of things that we think are true and then saying, and they should do that, and they should do that instead of asking Jesus to help us do that. And, and it's not just towards other people. Sometimes we just do this towards like the, the church in general. Like it's really easy to look at the church or a church and to see where they're falling short. And just to be like, they should be better at this. Anyone have that kind of ability to see a church that's just not how it's supposed to be yet? Yeah, because we're all in process, right? Like it's, it's easy. But sometimes we do this. And, and again, we make the same mistake. And we're applying it to this concept of the church should be better at serving people, forgetting that if we're followers of Jesus, we're a part of the church. But I, I remember having this conversation in a previous context uh, with a guy once after a Sunday morning service, and, and he came up to me, and he was like all fired up and excited, and so I mean, he's like, Joel, Joel, we need, we need to start a ride ministry in this church. And I was like, slow down, like, like tell me the story, like what's going on, and He's like, look, there's this young couple in our church that live on the other side of town, and, and they're having troubles getting here, and, and somebody needs to give them a ride. We need to start a ride ministry. And so I was just like, well, like, t tell me more about who this is and what's going on. And, and, I, and I just asked a simple question. I was like, it seems interesting. Like, like God's kind of putting this in front of you. God's putting this on your radar. Like, why, why don't you give them a ride? It's too far out of my way. This church doesn't care about people. You need to start a ride ministry. And I was like, <laughs> it's fun being a pastor sometimes. In that same church, there was another woman. I remember she came up to me. Uh, she was talking to Christy and I at one point, And she was saying, Joel, I'm so excited. Every week I get to bring three of the students from the university where I work to church here. And I was like, like what, tell me what that is like. And she's like, well, I come to first service because I want to be a part of what we're doing and I want to be able to take it in and I serve at that service. And then as soon as the service is done, I go back and I pick up these three students and I bring them with me to second service. And I'm like, wouldn't it be easier if you brought them with you to first service? She's like, they're not awake yet. <laughs> <laughs> and she was so full of joy at being able to do this for them. 
And it was really cool, like, like about six months later, she comes up to me and she's like, Joel, you won't believe this, God has so blessed me. I got a brand new car. My car was breaking down and I didn't really know what to do with it. So I took it to the dealership and God worked it out so that I could drive away with a brand new car. And she was so excited. She's like, I can give them a ride in style now. Because for her, she was experiencing the overflow of God's blessing and she realized it was a privilege to serve others. And I'm like, God, how come one gets it and one doesn't? And it's because one was applying it to themselves and the other was applying it to others. Not realizing that, hey, if you don't like what the church is doing, guess what? You're the church. So step up to the things God is putting in front of you and watch what God wants to do through you for the benefit of others. And I think that's one reason why we can struggle with this. Here's another reason why I think we sometimes struggle with this, with what Paul's talking about and truly embracing it in our lives. I think we struggle with this because we make serving others still about us. Man, we're so good at this. Like, you, do you know what I mean when I talk about this? Like, we serve other people because we want to see God do something good in our lives and in our story, but we're still kind of making it about us, which means that we may do some good things, but only when. Only when it's convenient for us, Right? Oh, there's a need. Well, it's not really, I just, I can't take care of that need. You know, there's a group of men and women in our church that have a heart to serve those that are without homes. And so we partner with one of the missions in our county to create opportunity here at our, our facilities once a month. And there was a need for us to do it twice a month. And so the same group of people said, how can we create space to do it twice a month? Because they realized, hey, that's not convenient to give up two nights a week, but we want to be a part of it. Because it wasn't about them. It's such a beautiful thing. Right? Or, or sometimes like we make this mistake, we'll only do it when we get recognition for what we're doing. Like sometimes I, I catch this in me. Hey, Jesus, I'm going to go and serve that person, but would you make sure other people see it so they see how good I look? <laughs> Instead of saying, Jesus, I just, I just want to do good for this person. Because it's not about me. It's about what you're calling me to do for them. And see, when we make it about us, we miss the whole point of why we serve others. We serve others for their benefit so that through our lives, we can show the goodness of God to people around us. So that others would see there's a God who is good because there's these broken people striving to follow him as best they can to show him to the world around them. And that's why we serve other people. And so here's a simple question I have to often ask myself to check the motives of my own heart. That I would encourage you to ask yourself as you're wor working this out in your own story. Whose praise are you seeking when you go to serve another person? Because that was the amazing thing that Paul just talked about with Jesus. Like that, that when Jesus had the therefore in the story that God elevated him to that place that every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That we would say you are the greatest. Paul ends that whole section, for the glory of the Father. So Jesus' own pursuit of greatness wasn't for himself. It was so he could make his dad look good. So that we could understand that there's a good Father in this universe that loves us and has a life for us. And this is what Jesus taught us to do. To those who would follow him in Matthew 5, he says these words. He says, your lives light up the world. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop... And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? 
Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that your commendable works, the, the good you seek to do for another person, your commendable works will shine as a light upon them and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. So we don't serve others for our own sake. We serve others because of this overflow that's taking place in our life, that we're experiencing the good of what Jesus is doing. And it's so great, I can't contain it. It has to spill out around me to the people around me. And so we serve others so that we can serve them, we can lift them up, and we can do it in the name of our God so they will come to know his goodness in their story through us. And this is what we're talking about. This is what Paul's helping us understand, that your life, the greatness of your life, your greatest life is found in serving others. And that's why we walk and follow Jesus the best we can. And this is why Paul points us to Jesus to help us do this. Because sometimes on my best day, I don't get this right. But when I look at Jesus and I begin to realize, you can help me do this. Like this good work that you've done in my life, you can help me continue to grow in this and have the ability to do this. This is why we look to Jesus as our model and our example. Because something really beautiful begins to happen as we look to Jesus. As we look to him, as our eyes are on him, we take the focus off of ourselves. And we see him and his goodness and his beauty and the good he's doing in our own story. And we begin to be full of him. And let me tell you, it's really hard to be full of yourself when you're being fulfilled by him. And that's what leads us into this overflow and the freedom and the beauty of a life that's set free from being stuck on ourselves. That Jesus' love and his goodness and his life is at work in us. And it's so changing us that it flows out of us into the lives of people around us. And that is when you are stepping into your greatest life. Your greatest life will always be found in serving others because that's when you are becoming like Jesus. So who can you serve this week? Who can you serve in your family this week? And young people, don't think this is just for the old people. This is for you. How can you serve that sibling that drives you crazy? How can you serve a parent that doesn't get it? Parents, how can you serve your kids? How can you serve your spouse? How can you serve the people in your family? How can you serve the people that you work with? You're like, Joel, you don't understand. They are a serious piece of work. I'm like, I get it. So are you and me. So how can you serve them this week? How can your life be a reflection of the goodness of what you're experiencing in Jesus to the people around you? And if it's hard, just start with simple things. Smile when you're at the checkout counter. You're the light of the world. So shine that light that others would see the goodness of a God who changes stories forever, who's changing your story, who's changing my story. And so often when I'm in those places of wrestling with God, this is so hard. God, all I want to do is swoop out because it stinks right here. 
And I want to punt this opportunity you've given me to someone else. I have to stop and I have to just say, Jesus, how have you loved me? How have you served me? And help me to do the same for someone else. Because I don't want to miss the opportunities for greatness you're putting right in front of me. And so let's ask for him to show us what to do. Let's ask for him to move in our lives and in our story. And so let's pray in this moment that we would experience the blessing and goodness of Jesus in our lives so that it would overflow to people around us. And so Lord, as we walked into this place today, I, I think we all come from different moments and spaces and hurts and needs. And so we ask that you would come and meet us as we are and speak life and hope into our story. And you help us to understand that, that the ultimate goal of a great life is to not simply experiencing your goodness, but to let your goodness flow through us to people around us. And so would you come and do a work in us right here, right now? Would you stir our hearts to, to step into the life you have for us? Because you're trying to restore us to who we were created to be, people that would revolve around a good father and reflect his beauty to the world around us. And so this week, we want to just offer ourselves to you to say, what do you have for us? And as you put the opportunities in front of us, would we step into them with joy and hope because this is an opportunity to step into our greatest life as we seek to serve other people. And so thank you that you are a God who is at work in our story, that you are a God who will always do the good work in us. So let us partner with you in that. Let us build our life on you with that. Let us not miss the things you have for us and to come and set us free to step into our greatest life with you. Amen. Let's stand and make this song our prayer and our declaration today. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.